0: creating better businesses with Discovery Business Insurance.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthy Business Show brought to you by Discovery Business Insurance. Today we are with Shane Dryden and Andrew Smith, the co-founders of Yuppie Chef. We're exploring the difference between a brand and a logo. How important is your identity? What is the visual language? How do you create perceived value? And finally, what are the most important aspects of building a great brand? Andrew Smith, Shane Dryden, so good to have you on the Discovery Healthy Business Show. Yeah, good Thank to be here. <laughs> yeah, really good to be here. And uh and guys, I I'm really excited about this particular interview just because I think I have a unique perspective on uh on the origin story of Yuppie Chef. Uh, because I was there. I was right there in the living room of uh one Andrew Smith. In Plumstead, and uh, and watch the uh, the whole thing unfold in terms of those early days, and I've got some very vivid memories uh, of that particular time, and uh, and it's it's a it was a really enjoyable time, but also quite a frenetic time. So, uh, Andrew, let's start with you in terms of those beginning days, and maybe take us through briefly around. The the origin of Yappi Chef, how it started and, and how it evolved in the in the in the first phase of the business.
0: Yeah, Alfred, you were you were there and you were selling websites and we were selling some websites and business systems and and online marketing. And so every day, every month, we would wake up and have to sell our time, and we would have to go out and find another client and sell them some expertise. Uh, and then start again the next month. And so even though we were technically running a business or two businesses that were working together, we were really just being employees for the worst. Possible boss, a boss that never gives you any paid time off, doesn't care if you're sick. Uh, if you don't make the sale, you don't you don't get any money. And so we wanted to stop selling our time and start selling a product of some kind. And that's what every, particularly person in some sort of uh, tech or development, um, wants to be doing. But very few take it from the the stage of being around a bri and talking about it to actually acting on it and so we we spoke about it for a long time around sure. coffees and braais sure. and and then we said you know the way that we're actually going to get this done is if we just make an event if we make a a three-day event uh, and we arrive and when we leave, we have a business that sells a product. So this was in 2005 and there was a, there was a fourth party in this, in this posse, John, uh, and the four of us who were working together, uh, we, we came together on a, th- on a Thursday morning. The four people being you, yep. Shane, me, yep. and, and Fred the interviewer. yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we came together on a Thursday morning and we each had a product. And we were going to, over those three days, create an e-commerce site that sold that, that product. Um, because that's what we thought we knew how to do. We, we had the technology skills and the marketing skills. And then we would, uh, we would be able to sell a product. And, and the product that you bought, Fred, was the Bug Zapper, which is, <laughs> uh, because your brother-in-law imported this, what wasn't called the Bug Zapper. It was yeah. called the Jolt. We, we branded fly it as the racket. Bug yeah, yeah, yeah. Fly electric, with electric. Fly strings for swatting flies and mosquitoes yeah. and in those three days we created the the website and we figured out how to how to ship it and how to take payment from people and and we sold one on the saturday to my mom because uh we <laughs> forgot about, anyone who wanted to buy electric fly records. yeah we forgot about <laughs> marketing and one of yeah. the things about e-commerce is that when you open the doors on day one, nobody knows you exist. And, you know, as opposed to opening a physical store where on day one, you'll have thousands of people or hundreds of people at least walking past you. And and so we did forget about marketing, but it it ended up working. It became exactly what we wanted it to be. We would come in on a Monday morning and we'd look in the bank account and some people had paid us money, not for our time, but for a product that we were selling. And over the years, we ended up selling thousands, tens of thousands of, of bug zappers online. And so this e-commerce thing had some, some signs of life and it could work. And we, we sold flags, country flags and flagpoles. Um, and we even briefly sold a, a thing called a rat zapper, which is an electric rat trap. And it was various a collection of things that we could sell online that had some sort of demand. So the, so the rat zapper was actually a guy in Plumstead who made a, a, a rat trap that electrocuted the rats, which is, before you judge us, yeah. actually quite a human. Main way of getting rid of a pest because poisons or other things like that, Um, and so we we did sell a few of those. Because if you if you think about what's in common with all of those rather weird sounding things, if you've got a a mouse or a rat in the roof, or if you need a Norwegian flag, or if you've seen um, this cool tennis racket somewhere, where do you go? to buy them. You know, which physical store do you go to buy them? They're unusual products that are difficult to find. And in 2005, 2006, you didn't really shop online for something that you knew you needed. Uh, There was no Black Fridays and there was no buying TVs or or kitchen tools or anything online. Uh, You know, there were maybe books and DVDs and games and those things, uh, or there were things that you would search for because you had no idea where to buy it anywhere else. And, and so the continuation of that journey was that we were just looking for new things to sell. Mm-hmm. And Shane, who was the, the real foodie and watched a lot of food TV and thought, well, why don't we sell kitchen tools of some kind? Why don't we uh, go to a chef friend of ours and say, what are the 12 things that you think chefs use that ordinary people could, could do with having in their kitchens? You, there aren't necessarily things that chefs use that ordinary people don't use it's all pretty much the same things, yeah. but there are these tongs and they have nylon ends so you can use them in, in nonstick cookware. And uh, these are great and they're called QZ Pro, but you can't buy them in South Africa. You can, you only get them overseas. And, and we looked at these tongs and thought, well, we actually know the importer into the country for them, uh, but they're not necessarily available in physical stores. And so that's the, the same theme as our other sites with things that people want, but they don't know where to get. And and that's how the AppyShift story started in two thousand
1: and six. Sh- and I mean, so at that point, and I still remember. I mean, I was I was building websites for clients, and uh, and I remember the zapper being continually surprised that these numbers continued to to rise. And and it was just because we would create. I mean, me and my team uh, out of your living room mm. in Plumstead, were creating these websites and helping other people sell. But mm. you know. When it's your own sort of perspective and seeing the products shifting, it just feels quite weird. There's something magical about yeah. that. And so it, it then obviously you guys had this, This, I mean, it literally bit <laughs> in terms of uh, this e-commerce fever back in 2005, 2006. So the, the evolution to then a, a kitchen store, Shane, can you talk to the actual, I suppose, the creation of the brand, the actual brand, because I mean, that's what we want to talk and really zero in on with this particular podcast, steps.
2: Yeah. So I think the things that we had been doing before, the Bug Zapper and the Rat Terminator, Rat Zapper, uh, those are things that, um, to be honest, we didn't really care that deeply about. And it it felt like we needed to move into something um, that we really were proud of and were happy to talk about around the, the briar, you know, with friends. <laughs> And I think I think that was really the the key. It felt like this next thing was, and, and certainly for me, it felt like we were about to uh, in, a, in a way give birth to something that we really cared about, and I, I really cared about the, the the food side of it, and we wanted to do something that had a lifestyle element to it. Sure. and so it felt really important that we get that we positioned it right and that we uh, the the naming process was important and I think the process we had gone through with Yappy Chef it felt we were about to do something big um, and that we cared about uh, quite deeply because we wanted to introduce this lifestyle brand
1: Do you remember that feeling I mean so you you literally felt like okay there's something being birthed here there's something being birthed
2: and something that that uh, I, I guess, on a very personal level feel, re- felt very passionate about, okay. and so at the time you, you know when we told the story to people who who join our team, we talk about uh, Jamie Oliver at the time was his naked chef um, yes, series yeah. that was that was being flighted in south africa and 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 I used to watch those feeling just so um, amazed by of course what he was doing and the lifestyle element that he had brought to food over that time you know food was I think from a television point of view it was it wasn't very exciting and here you've got this young guy introducing food that helped him connect with friends and you know he would make his food and then make a whole of dishes and then all the friends would come at the end of it and they'd all eat together and that was something really really cool um, and, and so there was for me I really tapped into that lifestyle part of it and how do we do something that really connects to on, on that level and then of course watching him cook with all these amazing tools that I wasn't aware we were even available in South Africa and I think a lot of them weren't available in South Africa at the time but uh, it felt very significant and I think that's you know if you if you had to ask me, what what what's really important in building a brand is that you you've got to care deeply about the brand that you're building.
1: Okay, so I think that's a that's
2: a really critical
1: element, and you mentioned passion as part of that, right? So, I mean, it, do you think that that is uh, it, it's preclusive of of creating a a, a great brand? I mean, do, can you create a great brand without that passion?
2: Uh, I think you know you look at companies, you get like an agency to develop a brand and create a brand and build a brand. I think there, there's nobody who knows the brand as well as you do if you are the founder and you care about it so deeply. Okay. And I think a lot of, a lot of uh, founders maybe don't think they have the ability to to build a brand. And so they sort of outsource it. And I think you'll get a version of, of um, there'll be a maybe success if the agency knows what they're doing. But I think as the founders and people who care so deeply about it, if you can really own that process, I think you will be um, in a very you'll be in a much better place if you if you have the confidence so it's almost like it.
1: an unfair advantage to yeah. a degree. i mean it, it it's not it's not absolutely necessary but it does give you that uh, that head start to a degree yeah. so i mean if we talk about then so the name yuppie chef i mean i'm going to ask you again shane mm. just just the actual name itself because that's a fundamental part of a brand is the the naming process how did that come about
2: yeah, I mean, certainly what I can remember is um, so I went away with my family for a weekend and it was i taking taken responsibility for, for the naming process, I think. And um, I, I'd sort of spent the weekend trying to think of, of names. And I remember it was Sunday morning. I was still actually in bed. My family were doing something. I was in the room on my own and I was just like going through some names that were going around in my head. And um, we, we joke about it being a flash of inspiration, but it, it really was just y- Yappy Chef, uh, and came to me in a dream. It, it, it came to me a dream, yeah. It, it was almost <laughs> like that. But I think, I think in a way that, that you know, yappy is not a. It's not a word that's 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 used. It's sort of a bit of an outdated word. Mm, and it's almost it, like say, anachronism, right? Yes, yeah, it's, got yeah, it's an old word. It like is a, the it's 80s sort of like eighties, yeah, exactly. And, and and it's certainly not a. It's not a compliment to call somebody a yappy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just had some, there was something about it, um, and, and I yeah, I was in, the, in that moment really excited about. The potential that that name had sure um, and it just felt right and and yeah. I
1: recall you know there was a, a like a strange familiarity around mm. the name right mm. so people like Andrew you would say to somebody oh you know I run this company called Yappy Chef and and you were if I recall correctly
0: quite surprised by mm. the response mm. yeah yeah so well I mean the, the most tangible uh, example of that was after we had launched, but just after we had launched, we went and helped, um, this brand, QZ Pro, that was the first brand that we sold yes. at a, at a stand at, um, one of the exhibitions, food and wine or decorics or one of those ones. And in, in, and people would come up to us and say, Oh, yappy chef! Oh, yeah, I've, I've seen your vans driving around Durban, <laughs> <laughs> which they clearly had not, uh, and they clearly had never heard of us. But uh, the key I, question is, how did you respond to that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <us. laughs> <laughs> yes, sure. There's three of them in Durban. But but I think that it, so this, I mean, obviously a name is part of a brand. A name isn't yeah. a brand, but it's a very important part of it. And and I remember y- you talking to us, Fred, about how it's it's rare to get a name that that helps the 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 eyes of the public or the potential customer understand what the company is doing without it being, uh, without giving it away. You know, you think of a brand now like uh, Carphone Warehouse, which Mm -hmm. is an unfortunate name because nobody has car phones anymore. So you don't want the name to be so specific about what it is. Uh, Or if you name your company just tiles, and then you want to sell something other than tiles, Mm -hmm. you know, how do you do that? So, so the -the Appiship name is something which is, um, which is specific enough that allows us to come across as the experts that we know what we're talking about when we're in the kitchen category. But also Yappy Chef is that it's not necessarily for real chefs. It's, it's not for the professionals. It's for the everyday home person who just wants to feel like a chef. But there is also a bit of a playfulness and a bit of a familiarity. So I, I think that that change moment of inspiration. We can um, post rationalize how it's managed to gather all of those things together and and have something which is loved even even just for the sake of its name, which we were very fortunate for. And I don't know how often you get that right, um, but we did happen to. Uh,
1: it was amazing. I mean, I remember that clearly people saying, oh, yeah, yeah, Happy Chef, they're awesome, you know. And meanwhile, you guys hadn't really no. done anything yet. Yeah. So it was, it was a, yeah, that, that thing coming to you in a dream clearly was was quite special. I yeah. mean, you, you went through this process, Shane, I think when you were – defining the name and the, the brand and we'll get to the, the practical bits around that shortly but in terms of, of the domain obviously coming from a digital background how important was the um, getting the dot com and the dot co dot today and all, all of that those kind of technical elements right in terms of
2: choosing the name yeah so I came back from that weekend really excited about um, Yappy Chef and I remember that Monday morning uh, meeting sitting with Andrew and, um, introducing the name. I was like, guys, wait for it. Are you ready for it? <laughs> Yappy yep and, and Andrew's like, yeah, cool. That's, that's great. Let's see if the dot com is available. And, uh, so we did a domain check and, yeah, the dot it was available, but the dot com was taken. And, um, of course, I wasn't thinking. Can you remember by who? Just, yeah, it was some, some shit guys and... who owned like Yappy accountant and Yappy plumber and Yappy this. Year. Uh, just bought a, okay. a whole bunch. And I was, I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. Like we, let's think South Africa, not think the world. And I think Andrew in his, in his wisdom was, no, we got to think about this on a, on a, on a, global level. Like we can't have another yappie chef out there. Um, but I was so convinced of the name. Um, we kind of reached an agreement of, okay, let's try and get hold of this guy and see if he's willing to give up the name. Cause he wasn't using it. He was just sure. kind of hoarding the, the, the yuppies. Yeah. And, um, so I emailed, um, emailed him, uh, and just never heard from him. So um, the one day I was looking uh, for a domain name for a client, and I thought, let me just check to see if the like where we're at with with Chef. And so I did a search for YappiChef.com, and all of a sudden, bang, it was available. So the the guy who owned it had just let it expire. And um, I sent a Google talk message, Google mm-hmm. chat message, can't remember what it's called back then, to Andrew and said, you're never gonna believe this. Like, guess what? Um, and we still got that that chat, um, a screenshot of that chat, but uh, he had let it expire and um, Andrew grabbed the credit card and we bought it for $9. Um, so we managed to get it. So, I mean, just
1: account. for context and from my, my own side, coming from a digital background, just to <laughs> underpin the fact that it is, Extremely rare that that, that happens, mm, yeah. particularly
2: given that it was a couple of weeks later that you yeah. checked. Yes. And I remember feeling like almost like even more convinced now about the name because it's like this is now destiny. We managed to get the dot com. <laughs> this is it's it. It's from above. Like, yeah, it's from above. Came there to me in a dream and His now this Exactly, <laughs>
1: signs everywhere. Yeah, but, yeah, that's cool. And, and just, uh, I mean, Andrew, maybe you can speak into the, the this, this thing of owning a domain. Like, so it doesn't just mean the the um, the URL and and the, the actual domain itself. What about all you know the naming conventions around all the various channels and social profiles and and that sort of thing? How important is that in uh, in crafting your your brand identity? Yeah.
0: So yappychef.com is the website address, but. These days, there's a lot of important other channels that customers access you through. So, to have facebook.com forward slash chef and have instagram.com forward slash chef, that if there were two chefs out there in the world uh, and we were one of them, there would be this constant confusion um, whenever anyone's looking for us as to which one they are, which one they're getting. And so, being the fact that they were, even though yuppiechef.com the dot com part certainly at that time was very much a perhaps international or even American or even kind of tech company focused uh, it was it, it's useful because if you've got the dot com you kind of grab the land um, but I would you know would suggest obviously anyone starting a company that to try and get the dot com and then try and at the same time get all of the different social media handles and, and other things wrapped up at it know, interestingly enough we how soon after I mean did you start that process immediately or well, was that I mean, kind of for, it was such an ancient company that in 2006 <laughs> there wasn't even Facebook yeah. uh, so no it is more of an over time thing but I think that the, that, that kind of being, having the sole claim to a name, even if it's not legally the sole claim, the dot-com almost gives you that, that first grabs. And so whenever there's a new channel that, that comes about, yeah. you're more likely to- So like to when Instagram it. started taking yeah. traction, you guys immediately kind of went- We, we actually, that- someone else actually got the uh, the the Facebook before us. Yes. And we we applied to Facebook, and because we had the dot-com and we could show that we'd been around for a little bit longer, okay. they bumped off the other person. And that's and really helpful it to know, yeah. And yeah. Okay. Uh, but interestingly, when we launched, we launched as, as .com, but we quite soon after that changed to be yappyship.com because uh, we thought at that time that South Africans didn't know that they would be able to buy from a dot-com company. You know, now we have... Uh, Take a and we have these, mm. this idea that South Africans can buy locally. But we ran a couple of Google ad tests where there was the upysheft.com as the in the advert, and there was the upysheft.ca in the advert. Sure. And the dot got more clicks and more conversions. And so we switched over. And for a long time, we were at c.ca, even though we, we owned both. And then uh, a few years later, when it felt like South Africans had got got the message that dot com applied to them and we shifted back. So we now um I think I think right now it is totally legitimate for a South African company to be dot com and it just helps if if there are ever international ambitions that you've kind of staked out that territory and you've started to build the equity around that name. Gotcha. Just
2: on that, so I've been through a few naming processes on, on product development, so when we come up with different brands for our product ranges, and I'll always start with, The URLs in mind. So before we even approve a name, it's you firstly come up with a name where the dot com is available. You then go and look to see if all the other, you know, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all those uh, handles are available before even approving the name. Mm. So I think a lot of people start off with the name and then, oh, okay, let me try and get a URL for it. Let me try. And they're so precious Mm. about it. But I think starting, starting off with hand, the handles and URLs. Uh, get those right before you even approve it. I think you'll be in a much stronger position. What is the process that you take in searching uh, all of those domains? So I will, I will use a lot of like um, like GoDaddy or that kind of thing. Or there, there are other sites, and I forget the name now. There'll probably be about three or four of them, like NameMesh, and where you actually try to put two different names together because that's that's quite a good way of finding a name that doesn't exist in. Okay. Um, in a, in a particular dot com so you're trying to take two very two names put them together in a way that obviously hasn't been done before gotcha. so but it can be it can be days worth of process so. sure because it's tough nowadays yeah. I mean dot com is, is. is like
1: hen's teeth really yeah. to, to try yeah. and find a com and a dot etc. That's that hasn't
2: been taken is tough it's the idea of taking different words and, and putting them together and then letting you know whether that com is available or not sure. there are a lot, of, a lot of tools available online and they're changing all the time so sure. I'll literally go and like grab about three or four of them have them open at the time and in some cases one of them helps me find the other like it, it, it's it's yes. more of like a, a i guess a a name storming sort of process that you go through yeah. but very much with whether that dot com is available and then you, from that point you can then you can start to see whether the other handles are available
1: cool so now you've got your name uh, the next step obviously is is on the visual representation of this this, this identity that you're creating. And, um, and can you talk a little bit about that process in terms of, I mean, you, you created this visual identity. Uh, you, you know, how do you define that? What was the process of that? And what process did you
2: go through in creating that, that the, the visual side of it? Yeah. So very much when thinking about the whole concept of selling, Tools online, kitchen tools online. It was very much around like the lifestyle and how it, how it made us feel, and and because we were web designers, we were able to I think quite easily interpret that into into something. So using visual to interpret that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, a lot of the the kitchen sites that were available like internationally were very boring they were like there was there was one at the time called potsandpans.co.uk and it literally was like pictures of pots and pans hanging <laughs> up which uh yeah, you can imagine like a sea of stainless steel is not very inspiring and and we deliberately chose to uh i think in our in our early Early visual representations of how we we felt the brand could be portrayed was like the lifestyle element: people, faces, people cooking. Um, so very much like, how does this? How does it make you feel when you're entertaining people or uh, you've you've created something for your family? Um, that lifestyle element was something that we tried to plug into quite quickly, and 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 also we had the because we were designers, we could pitch the design. Like I, I think our Uh, Sort of look and feel was was quite high, like the quality of it, uh, which immediately gave us an advantage because um, I think people thought and felt that we were quite established. So when they when they came across our site, they thought, Oh, these guys have been around for quite a while.
1: Okay, so you wanted to give it a whole all round feel. I mean, Andrew, because it it has such a, um, a stunning visual impact when you go to Yappie Chef, even now with the stores and the, you know, all the various elements of your brand. There's a, there's a real thread that goes through it. But, I mean, does does it start with the logo? And, and can you maybe speak to the... Um, the the distinction between a, a logo and a and a brand i suppose from a broader sense
0: a logo forms part of a brand so if you imagine like the like a big circle of a brand and there's a whole lot of things inside it uh, the logo is one of them it's it's not logo does not equal brand um, but it is an element of it and so we we've spoken a little bit about the name and yeah. i suppose shane has also spoken about the the, the way that you want it to feel and if you were imagining all of the lifestyle elements so if you're imagining a photo shoot that in- involved your brand or uh, a, a booth at a convention center or, or for, in our case a physical store but if you could imagine all the different ways of your brand being represented what would it look like and so the logo is a continuation of that logos can be relatively simple and the Yapi Chef logo has has evolved over the last 13 years yeah, sure. and if you look at the but how logo much logo has, has it evolved
1: so just a pre- like a real yeah. Just to zero in on that, because I, I recall the early manifestations of the actual logo identity, the iconography that you use, and it's not too dissimilar to what it yeah. is now.
0: So it evolved very little for quite a long time. I think that when we first pitched it, it was quite quite modern and on trend. Hmm. It was also very pink, and 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 the, the the font and the lettering was 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 fine for that moment, um, but that has changed. For kind of, I think we would say for two reasons. Shane might actually be a better one too. Shane, can we segue into the, yeah. the pink thing first? Yeah.
2: Because I, I remember there yes. being a lot of pink in the yes. early days. So that so that was part of the flash of inspiration of in that moment of hey, Yappy chef, I I, I did see the color pink. Maybe it's because my eyes were closed. I, I'm <laughs> again, it was in a dream. <laughs> 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 but it was a also it was also you you know, again a color that was you know traditionally being belonged to yeah. You know, pink means girls you know it's like it's female yeah. it's and, and i think we wanted a color that we could own and that wasn't widely used um so yeah that's why we started with pink and, and and we thought hey let's not we you know got some early early banners that we created we of a guy wearing a pink shirt and the, and the tagline was like i'm not afraid to wear pink um yeah and I that was like that, let's yes. own this and let's. Be proud and loud about it. Yeah. Um, and, and also pink and food. It, it just, it works in your favor, right? Cause it, it was did. very distinct and it stood yeah. out and people yeah. remembered it. Yeah. But just to say about the, the logo, a logo used to be all lowercase. And actually the word Yappy Chef from a typography point of view is quite a difficult word it, from a design point of view. It's, it, it doesn't in lowercase. If you have it starting, if it's all lowercase, it's easier to sort of design around. If it's got a capital Y, it's actually. It's, it's quite difficult to make that flow and that work. Now, there's certain words that that just look really great, um, you know, when written out. Uh, Yappishiff is is, is, a, is a more complex one. So, sure. so we've gone from all lowercase to to all uppercase. We've dropped the little icon, uh, dropped it away from the logo. It still exists, but it's used independently. Um, and so, it's now just all uppercase uh, in white on black. Um, or, or, or black if it's, if it's sitting on white um, so it has gone through some some change and, we, and we've we, you know people say oh you've dropped pink you've dropped pink no we haven't we just we use pink very sparingly it's like a little jar of very very special paint that we have and we, and we use it in those special moments to so really, it's like uh, a spot colour yeah, it's, it's a spot like an color. impact colour Yeah. And, and, and so it's about valuing that colour more and we only use it in, in certain that's
1: amazing certain and it's amazing to hear how intentional it is and, and the thought that goes behind it and I think that sort of evolves over time, right? You, you've got to, if I'm correct in hearing you right, like you, you start somewhere and then you start to, to really kind of tweak it and, and, and refine it over time. Andrew, were there any inflection points that stand out in your mind when you suddenly realize, you know, this thing is, is really starting to take off? Was there a
0: time that you started to see that inflection happen? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, to, to connect it with brand that we've been talking about, uh, one of the, the great things that you taught us, Fred, was that branding is all about consistency and pervasiveness. <laughs> I said that a lot and in my early days. Yeah, yeah. And so consistency, if... if the consistency part is deciding that it is going to be yappy chef is one word. Uh, it's going to be a capital Y and small C when written out. And that this is what the logo is going to be look like. And I think even small businesses can do that. Uh, you know, big businesses have got huge uh, brand guides. And if you're ever going to use their your, their logo in what you're doing, you have to follow the exact mm. specifications. And I don't think enough small businesses do that. And it's not particularly hard. It is just about making those decisions. And it's about being disciplined, right? Disciplined. Yeah. yeah. So so we made the decisions and we were we were very particular about how how our brand was going to be portrayed and how it was going to be used. And so that's the consistency part and then the pervasiveness part is just to then try and use it all the time in different places. And so we took a long time of just chipping away, chipping away. And and so once once we have this brand, we know what it, how it should be represented. We we haven't spoken too much about this, but you know the the brand feel not just from a visual point of view, but from a you know, how will it be spoken about? What's the tone of voice? And if we're writing on behalf of the brand, you know, do we use humor or don't we use humor? Is it a, is it sort of a hey brew type of brand or is it, is it a very staid, professional, polished brand? So, so those are, those are the parts that we also have to decide about because, you know, you imagine meeting someone and then every time you bump into them, they come across as a different personality. Your brand has got to be consistent in the way that it is that portrayed and then just a pervasive plugging away, you know, every opportunity just having the same message again and again to get to the point where people know about you but you know starting in a lounge with no money no contacts no other momentum that we have it really is standing from a a static start and Uh, and, and that's really what marketing is, I suppose. Marketing and advertising would be yeah. taking this brand and now starting to tell the world about it. I think that's
1: incredibly helpful. I think the, the key about about building a brand, I suppose, being consistent is something that is lost in a lot of young entrepreneurs, small business owners who they, they don't feel that that's their domain, but it, it really is. It's, it's almost like a superpower that you can bestow upon a, a young entrepreneur. If you just pick your message and you, you pick your you know the various elements of your brand because that's what you can control and you be consistent about that that becomes really really powerful so we've defined we've got the name we've defined the look and feel we've got you know the various aspects of your brand identity uh you know including the tone and so on and so forth it's then about amplifying that brand identity right so if we then look at the various tactics and, uh, and the, the kind of the, the elements that you at Yappie Chef deploy, w- what are the things that really worked for you more than others that really stood out?
2: So I remember we went to go and see a good friend of ours, John Cherry, about how we market Yappie Chef because uh, we were trying to figure it out and we knew we were small we, had, we wanted to get this thing out there and he said to us you know guys marketing is obviously expensive mm. you clearly don't have money I mean look at you <laughs> uh, and he said you know the most powerful form of marketing is word of mouth and you know just one customer at a time and, and I remember the time I was sort of like yeah I mean that's cool but uh, come on, there's got to be some other secret or some other method that we can deploy to make this sort of more effective. But we really did, I think, take that on board. And I think word of mouth still today, I would say, is is create an amazing experience, an experience that is remarkable that people talk about. And we chose to do that through our customer service and just, I think, the level of care that we showed to our customers. And I would say that is definitely the most effective thing over the last 13 years is just really focusing on the experience and making sure that we... That, that our customers are taken care of, and they have they have told their friends about it. Um, Such
1: a great insight. So it it be, that actually becomes part of your your brand strategy, right? Yeah. The customer experience, yeah. and I think a lot of people would would not really see that. They would see that as a as a as a separate entity. Mm-hmm. So how intentional were you about that? Was that more like just an overflow of your personalities? I mean, obviously, I know you guys well. Yeah. You know, and I know both of you as as really friendly, affable, interpersonal people, but but did you have to define that, or was that an organic process?
0: So I think that we are able to identify, Uh, what the the shortcomings are. And then we have an attitude which is, well, how would I want to be treated by this company? And and let's fix those things because, I mean, certainly in the beginning we were the ones answering the phone and dealing with the customers who were unhappy. And, you know, big businesses who the people making the decisions are now quite removed from the front line can perhaps get away with not being deliberate we, this was it and, and we've always had the, the approach of well how would we want to be treated even down to what type of checkout would we like on the website you okay. know, would I, do I like when I'm being forced to register uh, during checkout or give my ID number like no I don't want to do that so why would I ask someone else to do that so that's sure. been an underlying principle but you know Shane mentioned John Cherry and the, and the word of mouth I, I, I can imagine listening to this podcast and being so frustrated because you just want the silver bullet and like yeah. word of mouth you know well how many people can two customers tell? We've only ever had two customers. Yeah, yeah. Like, ah, oh, that's so frustrating. And it really was, uh, it really was, was true. But at the same time, we did take some deliberate steps. So, free delivery on anything anywhere, yeah. and, and we don't do that anymore. You, you were,
1: if I'm correct in remembering, you were the first people to do that in this yeah, country, yeah. right?
0: Um, probably the last. <laughs> there was a we we did it um, to make a point, which was that. Uh... That is an amazing word of mouth thing. You could buy a spatula, and we would deliver it to Kuruman, uh, and <laughs> it would be. I'm a noticing a little twitch in your eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, please, Lord, let us
1: never do that
0: again. It would be free. It would yeah, also yeah. include a handwritten card, and yeah, a handwritten yeah. cards has, has is still is a very big part of our brand. We that was have, a huge talking point yeah. in terms of creating the brand, right? Yeah. And, and so it it was about this brand is generous, so we're gonna we're gonna give you good service, but not just lip service goods. we're going to give you something that, uh, that real, really costs us something everyone knows that delivery costs the company something um, and we're, even how we gave away vouchers we used vouchers as a huge marketing mechanic so we would we'd obviously give them away at events and in person but we'd also put them on the front of magazines and we'd do partnerships with other brands but they were, they were no, there were no asterisks there were no real T's and C's apply here is a 200 rand voucher and if you want to buy a 199 Rand thing and we deliver it to you for free, that's fine. I think a lot of companies are, um, understandably, they, the, the accountants in the room are, are putting constraints in place, which say, let's give a 200 Rand voucher, but only if you spend 700 Rand or more and it's free delivery, but only to these places and not because of, and the, and the customer's mind, that's fine. And they, they understand how to work the system, but they don't feel like the brand has been generous. Yeah. And, and we've always wanted the Yuppie Ship brand to be generous and to actually cost us something. And, and, and John Cherry is the one who said, whatever you're about to spend on advertising, don't spend 30 grand in that magazine ad. Put that 30 grand into free delivery and handwritten cards and generous vouchers. And as slow and frustrating as it might've been in the beginning, I think that he was very right in the long term um, in helping us Build a, build a brand that customers connect to and, and not just one that was advertised.
2: So i got a great story just about generosity just from this last week in one of our stores we had a customer come in and he was looking to buy quite an expensive coffee machine and he was trying to make up his mind whether to buy it from us or one of our competitors. Um, And so our team gave him a demonstration, uh, made him a cup of coffee using the machine. And then he said, cool, thank you very much. I'm just going to go to the other guys and just, I also want to see them demonstrate their machine. And he went there and they asked him to please go and buy some milk (laughs) so that they could demonstrate the machine. And just such a simple thing sure, of like yeah. generosity is like, really? Um, so you're asking the customer to go and buy his own milk so you can demonstrate the machine. Um, so, so looking at those opportunities, like being generous and not pretending to be generous yeah. in, in a marketing speak, but actually genuinely being gener- generous, I think is such a powerful, powerful thing. That's amazing.
1: But what you're saying, I mean, which is I think you're not going to find in a lot of marketing manuals is that you know, generosity being a brand attribute is, uh, has been a real fundamental element to the, the growth of your brand.
0: Um, well, well, I mean, just to, just to uh, highlight is that it's, that's a, a brand value for us. It doesn't have to be a brand value sure. for everyone. How important has advertising uh,
1: been to Yappy Chef or is it <laughs> non-existent? Because, I mean, I, I don't think I haven't seen any double spread ads in magazines anyway for, for Yappy Chef.
2: Yeah, I think we've we've definitely been on a sort of experimented over the years to see what what works and what doesn't work, and it's so it's so hard to to figure that out. Now, <laughs> to be honest, um, you know, there, there's so much opportunity in the digital space that's very trackable and very easy to understand and very easy to analyze, and mm-hmm. and we I think have. Have definitely defaulted to those kind of mechanisms we don 't have unlimited marketing budget, so we tend to stick with those that we can measure but the, yeah those opportunities yeah like your you know your billboards and yeah all sort of those general traditional advertising um, scenarios we we 've done a little bit of but but it's not it's not where we live from a from a marketing point of view so we've we've
1: basically gone through a whole gambit of you know starting from the, the creation of the brand all the way to now you 've got all these stores and and ostensibly you guys are one of the the fastest growing brands, at least in terms of the perceived value in the in the South African marketplace I, I just wanted to ask in, in terms of closing off this interview and and really kind of bringing it back to the small business owner and the entrepreneurs in the audience, are there any Practical, real kind of salient points that, that you've, you've picked up and you've really kind of hung on to over the years? I mean, we've spoken about a lot of them now, but are there any other, you know, real kind of ninja tricks that you, you've picked up that you can share with us uh,
0: that, so, that you've picked up at Yappy Chef? Yeah. You know, one of the, the ninja tricks that I think we've found is that there are no ninja chicks, <laughs> which sounds like a very. That's a terrible answer. It sounds like a very. That's not what um, I was going for. <laughs> Where's the Miyagi silver, thing to say. Where is the silver bullet, Andrew? There is no silver bullet. And, and a great story with this is the very first piece of public relations that we got. We had hired a, a PR company to try and get our name out there. And, and, and there was, there's definitely some value in that, you know, particularly in online business. When you say that you are trustworthy and safe, the customer thinks, yeah, but that's what the Russian mafia would also say. Whereas if the Oprah magazine, I don't know if that's still a thing, but it was at the time, says that yapi Chef is trustworthy and safe, it builds a lot of credibility in the eyes of uh, of the customers. Even though, as Shane said, a lot of our, our advertising and marketing is in a digital space now, we have used traditional media because it helps bring a, a sense of... Um, solidity and verifiableness to a brand, um, but when we first, the first piece that we we're going to do is going to be in De Berger, and which is a very big newspaper, um, at least in the Western Cape, on the on, a, I think, a Saturday. And I think we literally phoned our, the hosting company and said, you know, just watch out. The, the server <laughs> so might need, go down. We
1: need stability. <laughs> yeah, has. yeah.
0: Because this is going to be huge. And it was a it was a piece, you know, a couple of paragraphs <laughs> long about Yappy Chef. And it hit on Saturday morning and there was nothing. There wasn't even a blip. If you take the... The, the, the traffic to the site for the week after and the week before, you can't even see oh, a difference. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. And, and I think when we when we look for the individual silver bullets, yeah. there is not a single one. But if you draw a, a graph from 2006 to 2013, it is up and to the right for, sorry, 2019, for 13 years sure. with no individual thing. And and I think the the secret and the key... Uh, that I would want to tell myself if I went back is just just keep going. Just be just be patient and persistent and just chip away at every little channel that you have, every opportunity that you have to push the brand and not put bet the whole house on, on one particular campaign or or mechanic or something because there isn't. There is no solution. Sure.
1: Shane from your side, anything to yeah.
0: I, I would say, and, and I think it's taken us a little bit
2: longer to, to get this because I think in the early days we held our cards very close, but I would say if I was going to speak to my younger self or yeah. anybody else in terms of giving advice would be to, to really build relationships around you, sort of seek wise counsel, people who have been down this road before, sure. really seek out those, those relationships and just learn from others. And I think we could have started that earlier in our process. I think there were a few people, but I think we could have been a bit more deliberate to And and just really, really looking for those people, uh, wiser people, a little bit older, people who had fought a couple of battles before. And and, um, I think that would have sort of kept us from some of the pain that we've been through. That's really, I think, an important thing to, to just. Yeah, focus on. That's
1: amazing, guys. It's been such a privilege to sit with you this morning and to learn and and to really listen to your story. It is such a remarkable journey that you've been on. And it's such a privilege to also call both of you my good friends. And uh, long may this trajectory continue. Thank you, Fred. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Healthy Business Show. If you love this podcast, do let us know via social media, tag at discovery underscore sa. Use the hashtag DSY healthy business. And please do rate us on your favorite podcast platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your shows. You can also find more shows on the Discovery website at discovery.co.za forward slash corporate forward slash podcasts
0: creating better businesses with Discovery Business Insurance.